Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. My name is Julia Tertian, and my latest cookbook is called Now and Again, Go-To Recipes, Inspired Menus, and Endless Ideas for Reinventing Leftovers. So the last time we chatted on my podcast, we were talking about Feed the Resistance. And with your latest cookbook, Now and Again, I noticed some themes from Feed the Resistance also in this cookbook. What are the three goals you had in mind while writing Now and Again? Yeah, when um, I sat down to write Now and Again, I had three goals in mind. Um, The first was to dismantle the idea that making a full meal, you know, cooking an entire menu had to be both difficult and expensive. Uh, My second goal was to really show that leftovers um, are great and that they're an invitation to fun and inventive cooking. And the final goal was just to make sure you had all the tools you need, um, you know, both the inspiration and the information to bring people into your home and around your table, because to me, that's the best part of home cooking. You have such diversity in this cookbook from a Sunday morning Bangladeshi breakfast to a steakhouse dinner for vegetarians to tortilla (laughs) soup for a chilly spring evening. Now, you gathered 150 recipes to develop 20 menus. How did these recipes make the cut? That's a great question. Um, You know, I think they made the cut, so to speak, if if each menu felt, you know, really kind of perfectly composed. and I, I started the book uh, by writing down the menus, you know, and the ideas of the menu before I wrote down each and each and every recipe. Um, so, you know, the, the steakhouse dinner for vegetarians, uh, which is one of my favorite menus. And it always makes me laugh whenever I say it. Um, <laughs> you know, I had that idea for a menu um, and I had one or two of the recipes in mind, but the rest kind of filled themselves in, so to speak. So I started kind of with the, I guess you'd say kind of the framework, um, you know, the menu or the meal, um, and then I kind of filled in the blanks. Let's say it's a random Monday and you're thinking about cooking dinner. You tend to cook a few things, not just one. Walk me through your process. Do you get inspiration from what's already in your fridge and pantry? Do you wander around the grocery store? Do you ask Grace what she wants? How do you do it? Uh, yeah, sort of D, all of the above. <laughs> um, it's, it's never always the same formula, which is part of what I love so much about cooking at home. Um, you know, the inspiration can feel different every day, um, and the needs can feel different. Uh, but I guess at the end of the day, you know, we have to eat dinner, and we're, and we're lucky to be able to. <laughs> so, um, I kind of start from, yeah, usually what what's there? What's the one thing in the fridge that needs to be used up? Is that something left over? Is that an ingredient I haven't gotten to? Um, you know, I, I really, I hate throwing things out, um, which is a big part of where this book came from. <laughs> and so usually it is starting there. It's, it's what's the one thing that needs to be used up? And then I sort of plan around it. Um, yeah, and just as you said, I don't usually just make one thing. I'm, I'm a big fan of... Um, you know, making a meal that has all sorts of things that complement each other. And that does not need to be complicated or time-consuming or expensive. Um, You know, it can be as simple as, you know, a bag of potato chips and an apple to go with my sandwich at lunch. (laughs) Um, It can be, you know, a green salad next to the roast chicken I make. Uh, You know, whatever it might be, I, I like just sort of rounding out a meal and not having just one single dish. 
Have you always been intrigued by the idea of connection with dishes on the table and the people around it? Or did this kind of surface while you were conceiving feed the resistance? Um, I would say I've, I've always been interested in that sense of connection um, before I even had the words to describe that. Um, you know, I talk about in the book that my favorite uh, way to sort of pass the time when I was bored in class when I was in school, um, you know, as I think we've all been before, um, my favorite way to pass that time was to write menus, like in the margins of my notebooks, um, and just to imagine meals, so that sense of connection between dishes. Um, I would also, you know, think about who I would want to invite, um, you know, whether those were friends of mine in school, or I, I have notebooks uh, from high school where I, I wrote kind of fantasies of meals and, you know, fantasize about the types of friends I might have one day. Um, so that's always definitely been part of what what has always drawn me to the kitchen and to cooking is, is imagining the connection between both the dishes on the table and then the people around the table. But I would say that real sense of, of community um, definitely crystallized for me uh, when I wrote See the Resistance and uh, not really me writing it, but more me collecting all the people who wrote for it um, and, you know, bringing together all those recipes and essays and really being in community with all the contributors and then seeing that sense of community just um, expand almost exponentially when I got to promote the book and go around on tour and meet people and just talk about the power of food to bring us all together. So, yeah, I would say it's a thread through my whole life, but I think it's, it's really... Um, felt more important to me than ever in the last few years. As a home cook, it's such a relief that she wrote now and again in plain English. There are no <laughs> rules here. So we can make a full menu or we can mix and match from various menus in the cookbook. Talk a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. So the book is, you know, it's, it's broken down into seasons and each season has a bunch of menus and each menu has, you know, all the recipes to make those menus. And I wanted all the recipes to be, um, you know, both appealing, but also um, really easy to make so that if you wanted to make each and every recipe and make that whole menu, you know, that would be totally doable. And, you know, you wouldn't, uh, you know, strain yourself <laughs> in doing that. Um, but I also feel very much that, um, you know, one of the best things about cooking at home is, is having freedom and agency to do whatever you want. So if you want to pick one dish from one menu and mix it with another, or um, if you want to change some ingredients in a recipe, you know, whatever you want to do is, is fine with me. Um, my goal is just to hopefully help encourage you to be excited to be in your kitchen and, and invite people over. And, you know, I, I feel so strongly that any, any cookbook reader, whether, you know, you're working with my book or someone else's, um, you know, if you're going to spend money on ingredients and, and time preparing a recipe, um, you know, that should be money and time really well spent. And hopefully you're really happy on the other side of it. So I want to provide recipes that you can trust. Um, but I also want to provide the framework to make you excited to cook and, you know, to use whatever makes you feel good. So, you know, if I call for, uh, I don't know, say cilantro and something, and, and you're someone who's, who hates cilantro, my mother, for example, um, <laughs> you know, I would not expect you at all to use it, you know, use, use a different herb or leave it out. You know, there's no sense in making something you're not going to enjoy because not only will you not enjoy it, then, you know, it might dissuade you from cooking something else again soon. So yeah, I'm all for recipes as, um, 
kind of inspiration and, and helpful guidelines, but I don't, I don't see them as prescriptions. I think that, that you've got a lot of, um, yeah, agency when you're in your kitchen. Well, and I think it's great for the home cook that's not that confident in the kitchen. So you can make your whole menu, and when you get more confident, you can start mixing and matching. Exactly. You can grow with it. As you wrote in the beginning of the cookbook, you originally started out writing a leftovers book, and you were going to call it, drum roll please, <laughs> it's me again. But such, I love that name. It's so cute. So with every menu, you have It's Me Again Tips, which is a brilliant idea. Yeah, so I was going to uh, just have, you know, a small kind of really fun book um, that was just going to be about reinventing leftovers. and. Yeah, I came up with that title with me again and thought it was like the funniest thing I've ever thought of. Um, and <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and I sort of fell in love with that idea. But then the more I got to work on it, um, you know, I realized it just wasn't enough because it was sort of giving you the um, the after without giving you the before. You know, it was telling you how to reinvent something without giving you the something. Um, so the book evolved and it became this much larger book. Um, and I believe, you know, truly a much more kind of useful one and and I think more meaningful one too because I got to include um, just so many personal stories and memories with all the menus so but I did you know get to still hold on to it's me again <laughs> and all those leftover ideas follow each menu so the way it works is um, you know every single menu has all of you know the simple recipes to make it and then it's followed by these ideas of of what to do with things that are left over from the meal um, and they some of them are you know super simple. Um, you know, there's an arugula salad um, in one of the fall menus, and it, it's just dressed really simply with lemon and olive oil, and it has some toasted pine nuts and Parmesan cheese. And, you know, leftover salad is something most people, I think, you know, don't see much potential in. It's it's wilted. It's, you know, the texture is not really that great. It's like a little bit soggy. It's, it's not so appealing. But to me, when I see that, I don't a soggy salad, I see the base of a delicious pesto. So I just throw that all on the food processor um, and just add a little bit more olive oil if it needs and, and turn it into a wonderful pesto. You can, you know, spread it on grilled bread, toss it with pasta, eat it with, you know, roast chicken, whatever it might be. So, you know, I think that's a really good example of, um, you know, really transforming something, something that you might think, uh, you know, has no more worth and all of a sudden finding tremendous value in it. So, yeah, that's kind of the, the crux of all the ideas is, um, you know, really seeing the potential for, for new life and, and transformation in leftovers. And in a funny way, I mean, I guess it's not funny, but <laughs> in a serious way, now and again is, you know, it's a book about food waste without ever saying so. Um, you know, it's not it's not a book about you know, what you're doing wrong by throwing anything out. It's, I think, a, an encouraging book about what you can do with the things you might throw out. In the back of the cookbook, you have a chapter called Seven Lists. Describe this. Sure. Uh, this is one of my favorite parts of the book. Um, each list has seven items on it. So it's, you know, nearly 50 kind of what I think of as like extra ideas. I, I think of this section as kind of like the bonus content. <laughs> and um, these are written in a very, I would say, much more kind of informal way. They're not, um, you know, strict recipes whatsoever. And they're just ideas. Um, and they range from seven things to do if you have leftover wine, which some people 
buffet is not a thing. <laughs> but, you know, if, if you do have leftover wine, there's fun ideas for ways to use it. Um, you know, poaching eggs in wine, cooking spaghetti in it, you know, braising pork. Um, and then there's seven things to do with leftover cooked rice, seven things to do with um, produce that's kind of on its way out. And then seven things to bring if you're invited over to someone's home for dinner. And then the last list um, is is just uh, less of a kind of cooking one, but it's, it's seven things that you can delegate. That's my favorite. Over. Oh, good. I'm like ice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like one of the best things to ask someone to bring because if you're like me, I don't have a very big freezer, so I don't have room to store like a, a ton of ice. So, and it's, you know, it's not something you can buy in advance because you can't really put it like in your, you know, cupboard. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I love asking someone to bring it over because, you know, it's not an expensive thing, but it really saves you time and it means you're not running out of your house or, you know, leaving your kitchen just before you're about to have people come over. And I think um, I like, I think a lot of other home cooks struggle with delegating um, and it was just helpful to put down a bunch of ideas and remember that, you know, you don't have to do everything. Um, and it's okay to ask for help. And it's actually great to ask for help because I think it makes other people feel just as invested in the meal. I think this comes from seeing our moms and grandmas doing everything, don't you think? I guess so. I mean, I, I didn't grow up with um, a mother or a grandmother who cooked very much, <laughs> but I think I, I definitely saw that happening in other areas, not so much in the kitchen. Um, but yeah, for sure. I think women in general do take on a lot. And I think we take on a lot of responsibility and feel, uh, you know, big senses of uh, obligation. And I think, you know, sort of like we were talking about a few minutes ago, I think, you know, I think everything's better when we're in community. So I think, uh, you know, whether that's a meal or work or whatever it might be, I think, you know, asking for help when you need it, offering help when you can, you know, these are all great things. In this cookbook, you've integrated so many of your family photos. One that I loved was you taught your grandmother and her friends how to make fruit salad. That was so cute. Oh, and you also yeah. incorporated your great grandmother's playing cards. Mm -hmm. And um, talk a little bit about your maternal grandmother's candlesticks. Sure. Yeah. I mean, one thing that is so amazing about getting to um, create a cookbook is getting to kind of weave in all these little bits and pieces. You know, a cookbook's not kind of that much unlike, you know, a big quilt. <laughs> um, and you get these opportunities to sort of, you know, put in little bits of, of your history. Um, and it's something that means a lot to me. So, yeah, in the in the spring section of the book, um, there's a whole menu for Passover, which is uh, a Jewish holiday that I've, you know, spent my whole life celebrating with my family. And uh, my mother's parents were were immigrants. Um, I mean, really, they were refugees. They fled um, Eastern Europe during the, the pogroms um, and ended up in America. And they did not have the chance to bring all that much with them. Um, but one thing that my grandmother did bring with her was her set of, of candlesticks. And she was long past and I actually never had the chance to meet her um but she passed down her candlesticks to my mother um and then at every you know Jewish holiday um or even at other holiday celebrations um that we would have at my parents house growing up and 
into my kind of early adulthood, uh, you know, my mom would always take out the candlesticks and light them. And when I was, you know, doing all the photographs for now and again, and, you know, I knew I was going to have this Passover menu, I really wanted to have a picture of those candlesticks in there. Um, and it just felt like it would, it would, you know, feel special. Um, whether or not even anyone realizes, you know, their significance, it just felt really important to me that they were in there. So, yeah, my mom came over for the day when we were doing those photos and she brought her candlesticks. And then when she was leaving, you know, I went to wrap them up and give them back to her. And then she told me I could keep them, which I almost, oh, you know, really? can't say without crying. <laughs> oh, and that's lovely. Was, yeah, it's just so sweet. So they, um, they now live in my, um, my living room and they're, you know, very proudly on display. And um, I'm, I'm so happy to have them. And, you know, just touching them makes me feel connected uh, to my family and to family, you know, I never even got to meet, but I feel so strongly, um, you know, tied to. Well, you're preaching to the choir because every <laughs> piece of furniture in my apartment I had growing up in Kansas. I can't uh, get rid of all of my family furniture. So I get no, it. No, and nor should you. I think that's amazing you have it. And I think, you know, these things we get to hold on to, whether it's a piece of furniture or a candlestick or, or a recipe, um, you know, they have huge uh, meaning. And I think, you know, I think food is sometimes something we just, you know, eat when we're in a rush to go somewhere and we're hungry. Um, and I think at times, you know, it can just take on such a major significance um, that really just, again, kind of fosters that sense of, of connection that we're talking about. The other night, I made some dishes from your no-stress Thanksgiving menu on page mm -hmm. 63. Describe this menu and talk a bit about how Thanksgiving has come to be your newest tradition. Sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Thanksgiving menu I called the no-stress Thanksgiving, which is, you know, words you don't always find together. <laughs> and um, I, I I have been cooking Thanksgiving uh, since I was really young, like 10 or 11 years old. Um, and, you know, the kid who was teaching herself how to cook Thanksgiving was always the, you know, the day during the year I most look forward to. And I think the day when I was most trying to kind of show off these skills and looking back on it, I think it's kind of funny to think that I, um, you know, the longer I've cooked and the older I get, the more simple <laughs> my cooking is. Um, I was sort of like fancy or wannabe fancy kind of kid and teenager, um, really trying to show off. And, you know, I think my, my cooking has gotten simpler and that's something I try to really um, push forward in my recipes because I think, you know, your meal can still be so wonderful and delicious, and satisfying and, um, you know, make people excited to eat and it can also be really easy to make. So that's sort of the, the feeling behind the recipes. But I would say even you know, after these now, you know, a couple of decades of, of making the meal, um, the tradition that I've incorporated that, that means a lot to me is, uh, you know, looking into organizations like um, there's one called Women Empowering Women for Indian Nations, um, another uh, college fund for Indigenous Americans, uh, looking up these organizations and, and donating them, uh, donating to them. Excuse me. And, um, you know, in doing so, I think it's really acknowledging, you know, Thanksgiving has always been this really joyous day for me and my family, um, this day when we're all so happy to be together and eating the food we all love. 
um, but acknowledging at the same time, I think it's a day that brings up not great memories for other, you know, Americans. So I think in fully um, recognizing that um, and doing what I can, uh, you know, to hopefully extend some of my privilege, um, you know, it means kind of holding the good with, with the heart and having a deeper kind of understanding of the holiday. Um, and it also inspires me very much to you know, think about who's at my table and to make sure, um, you know, I'm welcoming as many people um, in, in my family and my community as possible. So, yeah, that that's my, my newest tradition, um, which I guess I started doing a few years ago now. And, uh, yeah, it's one that feels very important. Okay. Now to my segment called My Last Meal. If you had to place an order for your last supper, what would it be? <laughs> I had to place an order, so I'm not cooking it. Well, you know what? <laughs> That's a darn good question. You could cook it. So if you could cook your last meal, if you wanted to, what would it be? Um, yeah, this is always such a funny question. Um, I kind of like the idea of maybe not cooking, but I do... I do enjoy cooking so much, so I think if if I had the um, the option to cook it, I think I would I would take that option because I think it would just extend that time a little bit. Um, <laughs> I guess I mean the first thing that came to mind is maybe because we're talking about Thanksgiving um, is a roast chicken, <laughs> just a really really good roast chicken and lots of delicious bread to kind of stop up everything with you know in the pan. Um, roast potatoes and carrots and parsnips and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And maybe a really tall coconut cake for dessert. That would make me really happy. Where can we find you on the web and social media? Uh, so my website is just juliatertian.com and everything about my, my books, my work is there. And then I'm on Instagram and Twitter at um, Tertian, just my last name is my handle. So it was so amazing talking with you. Thanks so much for coming oh, on Cookery by you. the Book podcast. Thank you so much. This was really fun. It's always you know, great talking with you. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please take a moment to rate and review Cookery by the Book. You can also follow me on Instagram at Cookery by the Book. Twitter is I am Susie Chase. And download your kitchen mixtapes, music to cook by on Spotify at Cookery by the Book. Thanks for listening.